0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are here once again today at the
1: International Religious Freedom Summit being held in Washington, D.C. this week. Earlier today, I hosted a panel discussion focused on the intensifying intolerance toward Christians by Western governments. We'll talk more about that subject later when we explore a report on that very topic that was released today by the Family Research Council. The author of the report, Ariel Del Turco, Assistant Director of the Center for Religious Liberty here at FRC, will join me along with uh, one of our panelists, Pastor Mike McClure, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel in uh, san jose california also president biden today uh, wrapping up the nato summit in madrid had this to say the most important thing to be clear about is we have to change i believe we have to codify roe v wade in the law and the way to do that is to make sure the congress votes to do that and if the filibuster gets in the way it's like voting rights it should be we provide an exception for this for The except the required exception to the filibuster now many Americans wish he would focus on record-high inflation and record high gas prices that his policies have created but on those matters the president won't take action like he does on abortion or transgenderism or other LGBTQ priorities rather he tries to point the finger elsewhere the bottom line is ultimately The reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia, 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 Russia. The reason why the food crisis exists is because of Russia. The reason we have a president that won't do anything is Russia, Russia. Uh, The reason there's traffic congestion is Russia. I mean, everything's Russia. I'll be joined in just a moment by New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith, senior member on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And Russia has nothing to do with him being here, by the way. And the speed at which the left has turned on the Supreme Court as the court has returned to the Constitution is absolutely stunning. It's not just the mouthpieces of the left like uh, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez
2: What I have come out in favor for is really exploring every single tool in our arsenal in order to check the gross overreach and abuse of authority by the Supreme Court of the United States. I mean, there are so many places to go here because of the depth of misconduct and the depth of abuse of power coming out of the Supreme Court of the United States.
1: I mean, it would be laughable, but she's not the only one. The New York Times The legacy media today running with a banner headline, this, quote, in other advanced democracies, the courts are more restrained, end quote. Are you kidding me? Where was the restraint in 1973 when a left-leaning court created out of thin air a constitutional right to abortion up until birth? That didn't even, by the way, and I, I searched this out on the Times on their uh, database, that didn't even merit a headline from the Times. Now, where was the restraint in 2015 when another left leaning court, by a five to four ruling, threw out 5,000 years of human history and created a right to same sex marriage? What was the Times headline on that day? Here it is Supreme Court ruling makes same sex marriage a right nationwide. No outrage there about a lack of restraint. We'll talk with Aaron Holly, senior counsel to the appellate team at the Alliance Defending Freedom, who was a part of the legal team in the Dobbs case. Also, speaking of the left's growing intolerance, Pivy Rosinen, the member of the Finnish Parliament who was charged with a hate crime for, hold on, for tweeting a Bible verse, joined us at the International Religious Freedom Summit today, and she will join us later to give us an update on her case. The website's TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's all archived right there, and lots of resources there for you, so I encourage you to visit that. And if you have friends, family that need to be listening, watching Washington Watch, but they don't have a radio or TV station that carries it near them, I can watch it at TonyPerkins.com. Also, for more news coverage on the summit, visit WashingtonStand.com. That's the new site for news and commentary from a biblical perspective, the WashingtonStand.com. Our word for today comes from Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You know, that's the shortest psalm and the shortest chapter in the Bible, but the truth is eternal. Great is God's love toward us. His faithfulness is without end. I invite you to join us in our Bible reading plan. You can go to frc.org slash Bible. All right, today is the very end of our fiscal year, and I want to thank all of those who have called in to partner with Washington Watch and FRC. I want to thank you for joining others and standing with us as we stand for faith, family, and freedom. And if you would like to be among that number, I've got team members standing by to take your phone call. This will be the last day, so I would encourage you to call in. 800 225 4008 That's 800 800- Two two five four zero zero eight, or you can visit the website at TonyPerkins.com. And one more thing, join FRC and Alliance Defending Freedom this Sunday night as we host a live special event celebrating the landmark Supreme Court decision in the Dobbs case, which overturned Roe v Wade. The event's called Celebrating Dobbs, Celebrating Life. It will be live streamed this Sunday night, July the 3rd, beginning at 7 p.m. To watch, it's at uh, adflegal.org slash life. But just go to tonyperkins.com. We've got all the information there for you. Tonyperkins.com. All right. When it comes to members on Capitol Hill, there is one who walks the halls as a big man on international on the international campus, and that is Congressman Chris Smith, who co-chairs the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission. He's a senior member on the House Committee on Foreign Affairs and the ranking member on the subcommittee. Uh, on africa global health global human rights and international organizations he serves as the uh, representative for the fourth congressional district of the state of new jersey and he's a champion uh, for human rights and for religious freedom and he joins me now congressman welcome uh, back to washington watch good to see you in person it's
3: great to see you tony and thank you for the tremendous work you do uh, and the leadership that you provide the frc it's incredible
1: well, I appreciate I mean that. It's well, I want to start. I mean, we're going to talk about international religious freedom. Uh, you were a part of our panel actually today, but I, I want to get your response because you are probably the longest-serving member in Congress who has been advancing the sanctity of human life. You, yeah. You've chaired the uh, pro-life caucus for I don't know how long, a long time. Forty years. Forty years. Second time. Um, Your reaction to uh, to the Dobbs decision.
3: Um, historic uh i was in awe of the, the actual statements that were made by alito the the yeah the, the writing was superb uh airtight if you will in the way he reasoned and i think <clears throat> for those of us who i've been in the pro-life movement for 50 years i got involved in 1972 my wife got involved two years later we Met in the pro life movement, uh, and she's the love of my life, Marie, and she does work on the international level, especially.
1: You guys um, are a team. There's no question a team about it. No
3: doubt, no doubt about it. But the the um, we thought this day would come. We just never knew when. You know, God is good. Uh, he's a God of mercy and love, and He has compassion for the unborn and compassion for the moms, the mothers yeah. who are the co victims of every abortion. So I, we just rejoice. But now we begin a new chapter. A serious chapter of defending life because now we have we've been empowered as lawmakers state and federal uh to pass laws so you know it, it, it for a long time whatever we did it was always you know what's the court, right, what's, say? The court, what's, the court say? what's the court what's the court right, gonna right. say and they nullified so much of what we did over the years now we can actually pass laws that will go into effect and will save lives on the
1: ground I want to get your response yeah. to the uh, Secretary General of the World Health Organization, oh, yes, right. uh, the Tedros, who uh, just railed against the court decision, saying this. And I quote from him: "The evidence is irrefutable. Restricting abortion drives women and girls toward unsafe abortions, resulting in complications, even death." And and he basically said, "America is out of step with the rest of the world by." going back and allowing the people to decide this issue. Tejros, Dr.
3: Tedros, former um, head of health for Ethiopia. I've known him for decades. He told me to my face how pro-life he was years ago. So he's had another, like Joe Biden, like so many other people, uh, who used to be pro-life and now he's on the other side, uh, pandering to a woke agenda that that completely obliterates the unborn child physically as well as in, in the mind's eye. What it's like it never, the baby doesn't even exist, and and that whole argument is the same argument that Berdon Nathanson uh, claimed they used to make in getting abortion legalized in the first place. That led to Roe versus Wade in 1973. Extreme hyperbole, all kinds of exaggeration. Well, not not just
1: hyperbole. It's a lie. Oh, it's a lie. Because when you look at where the rest of the world is on abortion, I was talking about in terms of
3: the, oh, uh, the harm to women. Oh, you're right. We know that there's real harm to women who are the co victims. Right. And the pregnancy care centers, who are, as you know, because you're so involved with it as well, uh, they are magnificent in reaching out, loving both mother and baby, and helping. The women need help.
1: Right. They don't need the extermination of their child. And that only that, that only makes the situation worse. It does.
3: It does. And uh, so but, for him to
1: be saying that. But speak it, to the issue of him saying that America's out of step.
3: Even there, you know, Europe uh, in most of Europe, it's 12 to 15 weeks. We're up to birth in the United States of America, China, North Korea, some of the worst despotic countries in the world. They're the ones who have a similar program as we do. Right. And Ethiopia, uh, you know, I was there when they legalized abortion. I fought it. Uh, they did it to a backdoor way in, in their criminal code reform. Uh, and most of those people, including Mellis, who I met with, you know, didn't even want to talk about it. Uh, we, we, you know, if we had their law, many of our unborn children would be in Ethiopia, where he was yeah. the, uh, minister of health, uh, would, would be protected. I, I don't want theirs. I want a better. Right. I course. mean,
1: we're, we're only I mean, we're one of what, six, seven, uh, seven countries yep. that yep. allow abortion up until birth. That's correct. So I mean we're at us. We're the extremists exactly. as a country. Let me let me just not us, let me shift let me let me shift as as a bridge to this issue here at the International Religious Freedom Summit which sure. again you spoke at again today. We would not be at this point of returning America to the constitution and to a respect for human life were it not for the ability to express religious freedom in this country meaning the ability to act on our faith.
3: Boy, Tony, that is so true. You know, and there's an attempt by the left to so circumscribe religious freedom to make it more like just worship. Not, well,
1: it's what's well, between
3: your ears. Yeah, period. Don't do anything. Right. Uh, you know, you have no place in the public square to speak out. Uh, you mm-hmm. need to be discounted, and we're seeing that not just on the abortion issue, but we've seen it with adoptions, where the homosexual uh, agenda says that none of the um, um of of the faith-based entities that want to place a child with a mom and a dad like catholic charities they've been shut down all over the country as well as the evangelical uh, uh adoption agencies and we did have a modest win last year, but it's a modest one uh, on uh, Philadelphia. Right. But it's, it's written
1: in such a way that it's going to be revisited. But hopefully with these religious freedom cases that have come out of the court this week, yes. that there's the possibility that even that issue could be revisited in the court. And, and we could have, which I think is going to be essential going forward here when we talk about the next phase of making America pro-life. It's yes. the care pregnancy centers, but it's also the expansion of adoption.
3: Without a doubt. I mean, it's the loving option, uh, the adoption option. And, you know, it's there. People, you know, women need to be told that there's an opportunity for her child to thrive. Uh, Unfortunately, it often doesn't even get to that point. Planned parent and all the others steer her right to that abortion uh, room where the baby is destroyed and she's hurt.
1: Chris Smith, we could talk all day. Love to have you on the program. Always great to see you again. Thank you for your leadership on Capitol Hill.
3: Thank you so much, Tony. Appreciate all it. Right. Keep up your great work.
1: Uh, we will, as long as we've got folks like you that we can work with. And, folks, that means you got to be involved voting and supporting candidates who stand for the things that you care about, faith, family, and uh, freedom. All right, don't go away. i are going to be joined on the other side of the break with Aaron Holly. We're going to be talking about the left's response to Dobbs. What comes next? Are they going to attack the court, procedures in the Senate, states? What will it be? That's next. Don't go
0: away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God And how his word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org/bible.
4: Learn more at frc.org forward slash life.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Again, we're broadcasting today from the International Religious Freedom Summit here in Washington, D.C., Uh, We'll be talking more about that a little bit later. We had a panel discussion today that I moderated uh, about the rising authoritarianism and intolerance toward Christianity in the West. We're not talking about North Korea. We're not talking about Nigeria. We're talking about Western governments, including... The United States. So that's coming up a little bit later. You don't want to miss that. But earlier today, the U.S. Supreme Court sent three abortion related cases back to the lower courts to be reevaluated in light of last week's ruling in the Dobbs case it overturned the 1973 Roe decision and the 1992 Casey decision. The cases uh, had involved laws from Arizona, Arkansas, and Indiana that restricted abortion, which the lower courts had blocked based on Roe and Casey. Now, as the dominoes continue to fall following the Dobbs ruling, the left is trying to do everything they can to expand abortion access. They're also saying they're not going to enforce the law at uh, certain levels of government. So what are we to make of this and what is the future? Here to, uh, to discuss this is Erin Hawley. She is the senior counsel to the appellate team at Alliance Defending Freedom who uh, helped the state of Mississippi draft Uh, their briefs in uh, their arguments in the Dobbs case. Erin, welcome back to Washington Watch.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: All right, let me get your reaction first. Uh, what do you make of the left's recent accusations against the Supreme Court? I didn't I didn't, didn't go into that in the intro. You know, AOC and others out there saying, look, even the president today saying, look, we've got to eliminate the filibuster. We've had some saying we've got to expand the court, uh, that this is delegitimized the, the court. How do you respond to that?
2: I, I think that's just outrageous. Um, what the Supreme Court did in Dobbs was to set the court back on the right path. As Justice Alito's opinion in Dobbs said, Roe versus Wade was a raw exercise of judicial power. And the opinion there really makes the case that because the Constitution nowhere in its text Structure or history? Does it contain a right to an abortion? Um, and in that uh, instance, uh, then the court's job is at an end. Uh, its only job is to interpret the Constitution. And because there's no right to an abortion, it needs to go back to the states and the people. And so this uh, ruling is very democracy-reinforcing. Um, and the Supreme Court really did what it had to do in that case um, in overruling Roe versus Wade. <laughs>
1: Again, to underscore what you just said, and this I think is uh, is seen in the court sending these cases back to the states, is that the court did not eliminate abortion. They put it back into the hands of elected representatives, both at the state level. It doesn't mean the federal government can't deal with it as well. But it's back into the hands of elected representatives. But in light of this, Aaron, we see uh, the administration saying they're going to do certain things. They're trying to see if they can put up uh, abortion clinics on federal lands. They're going to work to make sure they can pay for women to travel out of state to get an abortion. But then you have prosecutors in local prosecutors in red states. In fact, I think you've uh, have more than eighty prosecutors have already vowed not to enforce the law. Uh, What are we looking at going forward?
2: So I think it's very much going to be a state-by-state approach. Um, And it's for the prosecutors, um, if they are in a state in which a majority of the people have decided that abortion should be illegal in certain circumstances, then their job is to uphold that law. Um, If not, um, I think a number of states uh, give authority to the attorney general uh, or to other state actors uh, to look into those violations uh, of the state's law. Um, But but absolutely, our local law enforcement officers uh, need to protect everyone, uh, including uh, unborn children. And then I think we'll see some really liberal states that continue uh, to do things like allow abortion up until the very moment before birth. And I think that's one thing that's really gotten lost in this is we hear a lot about, you know, uh, different things that red states might be doing. But if you look at blue states in this country, they have more liberal abortion policies than almost any nation in the world. Uh, right. They are on par with North Korea and China, uh, which uh, we are only one of six countries that allows abortion up until birth. Um, and so, so I think that's something that we uh, as believers and we as pro-life, uh, advocates really need to work on the hearts and minds uh, of people to encourage them uh, to protect life.
1: I mean, I, the, the issue of abortion is far from being resolved, uh, I, but I do think this puts us on a path that we can uh, achieve some resolution where, for the last 49 years, with the court taking it in. Uh, taking it out of the hands of the people's representatives, there was no chance. In fact, it's become more of a political issue as a result, but I think you're right. I think it's going to, you're going to have States that are going to embrace abortion, but I think some people will walk away from those States. I think pro-life States are going to become more pro-life. I think people will vote with their feet when it comes to uh, the policies of the States. I, I, you were a part of the team that uh, prepared for argued this case, uh, drafting the briefs. Um, your reaction when you got word, I, I know that it was the, the, the suspense was a little bit lifted by the leaked document, but even at that point, what did you think?
2: You know, I don't know that it has sunk in yet. Uh, the, there have been so many people who have worked for decades. They've marched and they've planned and they've prayed. Uh, they've volunteered at local pregnancy care centers. And this has just been the work of generations uh, to actually be living today in a post-Roe world uh, where there are babies are safer today than they were a week ago. And that's just really astounding. So I think I just have uh, a huge, intimate sense of gratitude um, and just thankful that the Supreme Court um, sort of adhered to its principles and looked to the constitutional text uh, in yeah. the rules for us.
1: Uh, it was refreshing uh, that they did, in fact, return to the Constitution. Very quickly, i got 30 seconds left. What do you think is going to be the next aspect of abortion that's going to make its way to the courts that will be uh, litigated?
2: You know, there's probably going to be a lot. There's, uh, of course, the, the federal administration, I think, is going to try various uh, sort of ideas uh, to implement abortion nationwide, uh, whether it's through the FDA or whether it's through uh, veterans' hospitals. So I think you'll see some administrative action by the uh, by the Biden administration. Um, but the court, again, is going to have to look, to look at congressional texts. They'll have to find that Congress clearly authorized uh, these sorts of actions, uh, federal actions on abortion, and that's just not true of any of these statutes. So, but I, but I think that's the new frontier.
1: Yeah, well, the, the, the battle continues. Aaron Holley, I want to thank you for joining us and in, uh, in, in a job well done.
2: Thanks so much. All
1: right. Folks, it's far from over, but we've got a fighting chance to return America to being predominantly a pro-life nation again. And there's a lot of work to be be done, and we're going to continue to talk about that. Again, this Sunday night, ADF and FRC will be hosting a live stream event from Cornerstone Chapel, Leesburg, Virginia. You can find out more by going to TonyBerkins.com. Don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch right after this.
5: They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Thursday Great Thursday. That means we're just one day away from the weekend. We are broadcasting from the International Religious Freedom Summit here in Washington, D.C. We were talking with Sam Brownback, former ambassador at large for International Religious Freedom yesterday. He is uh, really the driver behind this, and we're one of the partners. But it's a great event, and uh, we talk about these types of topics regularly because they're important. In fact, if you're a regular Washington Watch viewer, you've probably... uh, heard me talk about the case of the Finnish member of parliament, Pivey Rosinen, whose court battle over her scripture-based statements had been dubbed the Bible trial. While the Helsinki district court back in March dismissed all hate speech charges against her unanimously, I might add, the decision is being appealed. So there's still more ahead, but Pivey remains positive as she has been these past three years. And she joins me now here in person to tell us why. Pivy, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank
6: you so much, it's my pleasure to be
1: here. Well, I want to thank you for coming to the States. You were part of uh, our panel today and you've spoken here at the International Religious Freedom Summit. Um, In in fact, uh, our listeners and viewers are very familiar with you because on our uh, behalf, uh, Andrew Brunson went to Finland and delivered the petitions from our viewers and listeners that uh, pledged to pray for you. Before we go into some of the particulars, what's the status of your case?
6: Yes, just now I'm waiting for the date of, of the court of appeals because the process is now continuing. <laughs> of course, I was very happy for the outcome of the Helsinki District Court, but now this continues, and it, it takes it, it gives uh, some more chances to speak about Bible, biblical values. And also, it it gives a possibility to to get from higher courts the decision, which could be a guideline for for further possible similar cases. I I, want
1: to zero in on, on that first aspect that you brought up, because you talked about that today at the luncheon. And I think this is very important because this is biblical. Jesus said... Look, you're going to be you're going to be pulled in before the courts, the synagogues, but you're going to be able to testify. Yes, and that's exactly you said. You've had Bible studies at the police stations <laughs> as you've been interrogated, and so you've been able to to have these captive audiences, mm-hmm. if you will, to share the gospel and the Word of God.
6: Yes, in in fact, it has been amazing, and I have been so thankful and grateful for God and for all prayers, <laughs> because uh, this. Uh, whole process this litigation has given so many chances to testify about Jesus in in a live broadcast <laughs> broadcast straight to Finnish homes also at police station we had the bible on the table and and the police asked me questions he he asked me to explain that what is the message of the letter to romans what is the message of the first chapter and and so on and i i could uh, tell him that uh, it is God who tells what is sin and what is not, but we have in the Bible the solution to the problem of sin because Jesus has died for our sins. And that is the message that I have given also. In, in courtroom and and in many TV, TV and radio interviews.
1: And and you've never lost your joy in this process. And just for a little bit of context for our viewers and listeners, you, you're, uh, you, your background is you're a medically trained you're a doctor. You've been trained yes. as a doctor. Uh, how many years have you been in the parliament?
6: I have been in parliament 27 years.
1: And you actually served as a minister of yes. the interior.
6: Yes, for four years.
1: So, I mean, you're not like a newcomer. To this?
6: <laughs> yes, I, I have been in, in public uh, for decades, and all the time I have also been open about my faith, and we have had many quite similar discussions in, in past years. But the, uh, there has happened. A change in our society.
1: But it wasn't a change in what you had to say.
6: No, I, I I have spoken all the time the same things. But three years ago, this process started. And and I, I think that there has happened such a change in, in our society that it, it has surprised also Christians. It, it is a very new situation for us that, that this could happen. and And that that you are interrogated, you are investigated for citing Bible, for teaching uh, in public uh, what churches and Christians have 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 been speaking during decades yeah. about marriage right. and, and sex.
1: So, so the change is the growing intolerance by those that embrace. A different view than the scripture when it comes to life choices
6: yes and it is a surprise that it is so aggressive Uh, and and the lgbt networks in finland and the advocates they they are they are um very active but they're (laughs) not in
1: the majority so that means there's a lot of people that are silent
6: yes and it is dangerous that we are silent because the more we christians are silent uh, topical issues, painful issues, to narrower comes right. the space for right. these freedom. So it doesn't help to be silent.
1: Right. Pybe, we are out of time, unfortunately, because I would love to continue to talk with you. I so appreciate your boldness and your courage and the, uh, the love of God that is all upon you. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today.
6: Thank you so
1: much. All right. And, folks, I want to thank you for being with us, but don't go anywhere because uh, we're going to come back on the other side of the break and we're going to actually talk more about this growing intolerance toward Christianity at the hands of government. That's right. We've got a new report out, and I'm going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. So, don't go away. We're going to be right back after this.
5: What is biblical masculinity?
4: Visit FRC.org slash internships to apply.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website is tonyperkins.com. Be sure and check that out. Lots of resources there for you and contact information for all our guests, and any resources that they mention in the program are also listed there on the website. As I mentioned earlier in the program, here at the International Religious Freedom Summit, the Family Research Council released a new groundbreaking report on the extent of religious persecution in the U.S., Europe, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. The report is titled Free to Believe, that's a question mark, the, intensify, the intensifying intolerance toward Christians in the West. Now, this this points to a concerning trend of intolerance that has developed over, I mean, it, it's been very acute in the last two years when the COVID-19 pandemic gave governments worldwide increased discretion, or else they took it, to tighten restrictions on religious practice. And the recent attacks and vandalism of churches that we've uh, seen uh, give even more reason for concern. With me now to talk about this new report, our Pastor Mike McClure. He is Senior Pastor Calvary Chapel in San Jose in California and uh, Ariel del Turco, she is the Assistant Director of the Center for Religious Liberty here at FRC. Pastor Mike Arielle, welcome.
8: Thank Thanks you so much for having us.
1: Uh, Ariel, I want to start with you because you are the main author of uh, this report. Give us kind of an overview of the report and its purpose.
9: Yeah, so this report covers simply government instances of religious freedom violations against Christians in the countries that we would consider the West. So these countries that we often think of as free and open and caring about human rights, what are are these governments actually doing to Christians in these countries? So what we found, we examined 34 countries, we found 99 instances of Uh, Religious freedom violations just since 2020 in 14 countries.
1: So, I mean, it's not this is not a uh, all inclusive report, but it's a sampling of what's happening out there. And some might say, well, all right, you said this is International Religious Freedom Summit. You're talking about things happening at the West the whole purpose behind this is that how can we promote religious freedom abroad when we're not protecting it here at home?
9: You're absolutely right, Tony. In these countries, they've often been the champion of human rights abroad, especially the United States. So if we don't have religious freedom here, we're firstly setting a terrible example, but we're not going to be able to champion this right abroad. And that's really to the detriment of people around the world who are looking to us for help all the time.
1: Yeah. And, and folks, by the way, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot, but I don't want to take it any for granted. The reason we as a country consider religious freedom to be a top priority in our foreign policy is that countries that have religious freedom have greater economic development. They have greater social stability. And so it's to our benefit to promote this fundamental human right. But again, we can't promote what we don't have here at home. So Pastor Mike, I want to turn to you. Uh, is there any truth in this title, the intensifying intolerance toward Christians in the West?
8: I absolutely think that we are experiencing persecution definitely in our I've had, I've had it now for the last two years and it uh, you know it's it's in our culture it's a part of what's going on in the, the current standard of, of the media and it's just grown the last two years for sure I've seen it uh, like I've never seen before in this country
1: all right let me go back give a little history because you've been on the program it's been several months though your church in San Jose which I've been to I've actually preached there at your church it's it's exploded in growth since uh, you refused to, well, you reopened, you closed down, just like most pastors did. And I, we all agreed that was the best thing to do when we didn't know anything in the early days. Pentecost Sunday, 2020, you uh,
8: opened back up, right? We opened up on, uh, yeah, May 31st, Pentecost Sunday, 2020, with uh, a couple thousand churches in California.
1: Yeah. Uh, but in your area, you were like one of the only ones. And So if somebody wanted to go to church,
8: you were it. We were in and uh, the media, of course, eventually picked up on that and started advertising for us. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a lot of, uh, you know, non-believers, people coming in. Uh, they walk in, and they're, they're just starting to tear up and cry. They don't know why. They hear the music. Uh, we've had hundreds of people that have come to Christ and been baptized. So in a lot of ways, I just have been rejoicing for the persecution uh, for, for COVID, because it's given us an opportunity to really declare to a valley that doesn't care about Christianity. Uh, you know, they think we're dinosaurs We're in the, you know, technology, the the belly of the beast in Babylon, if you will. And, and they're caught up in their own life, their own, you know, tech companies and all these things that they're missing out on what life really is and who Christ is. And so it's been a wonderful opportunity to share the the love of Christ to a, a lost and dying tech Valley. Right. And just a sense of
1: the persecution, your church, garnered over $4 million in fines for refusing to comply with the governor's order to shut down. And I would add to that, that even though the Supreme Court ruled that the state couldn't do that and forced the state to actually pay fines or pay uh, char- pay uh, expenses to some of these churches that they went after,
8: your county's still going after you. I think we're the only... Um Outstanding COVID 19 uh, case in, in court in the US. I think we're the only ones with outstanding fines. Now, they've been generous. They've reduced the fines to about $3 million. <laughs> they have. It was, I think, originally up to four, and then they lowered it to 3.2, and then now it's down to two something. That's awful generous of them. I, I want to go back to the, to the ministry side of this because I was just talking with
1: uh, Paive Rosin, a member of the parliament. You were at the lunch today. Uh, where she talked about the opportunities to minister mm-hmm. that she wouldn't have otherwise had. You saw the same thing. I mean, you had people from the, the county come into your church. You had people, I don't know if we can tell the story, but those involved in kind of uh, dealing with crisis in other people's lives were experiencing crisis
8: themselves and they found hope in your church. We did. We had a guy who actually answered the suicide hotline, for the county. And he ended up himself just having a crisis and attempting suicide, coming to our church, uh, receiving Christ, and then uh, going back and, and sharing with us like what was going on, how there was 14,000 calls that weren't answered in October of 2020 by the county. You know, and that's what we, we were, that's what the church is for. The church is for such a time as this, to really stand and, and to share the gospel. And on the courthouse, I've had an opportunity, uh, you know, to to share the gospel and who Christ is. So it's been a wonderful thing. And I I think of Matthew five, when Jesus says to rejoice, not just because great is your reward in heaven, but the opportunity is just amazing. And the salt and light that we're called, if the salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing, but to be thrown out. And I just think this is the time the church should see these opportunities to shine and to be that preservative. Like we've never had that opportunity before since really the founding of the country.
1: Now I know you, Mike, I've known you for a number of years. In fact, even when your dad was of church years ago, to um, to pastors who think, Oh yeah, well you're just uh, you're rebellious. Uh, you know, just, just don't want to comply. What, what about uh,
8: Romans 13? You know, what, what, what would you say to that? Well, you know, Peter and Paul said to obey the, the magistrates, and the laws of the land, but both of them were killed for disobeying the laws of the land. I think when you look at Scripture, of course, we're to honor those in government until, and like I told this to the judge when we were in court, I said, I have to choose today whether to obey you or man. You know, in Acts you know, 4 and 5, you see Peter and, and John before the Sanhedrin, and that choice is basically you don't preach in Jesus' name anymore. Right. And that's what we're facing. So I know there's a lot that look at Romans 13 and so say you need to obey but the reality is when God's word now is, is being pushed aside and man's word, we're having to choose between obeying God and man. And, and that's where we're at. That's where we are at in our county and definitely in our state.
1: But you were trying to comply in terms of you were trying to take all the necessary precautions. Uh, you were not trying to put anybody at risk. And you told people, hey, if you, if you don't feel comfortable, don't, don't come to church and
8: watch online. But, you know, the scripture says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I think it's so important. I mean, you see during this pandemic, this is when people in the last, you know, 2 years have needed to have that fellowship. They've needed to be as a church where to gather together. And we did uh, warn everyone. In fact, our our attorney said, "Look, you could be arrested anyone who comes to the church. We had a restraining order for anyone who comes to church." So I told everyone, you know, the last thing I'd want to do is put you in harm's way as a shepherd or as a pastor. So you know, if you want to come this is where you, you know you know the lord wants you to come and we had just all the people come and they were ready they brought extra clothes they had uh you know glasses instead of their contact they were all expecting to be <laughs> arrested but it wasn't out of defiance you know i i've experienced as you have too for years hey you know keep the bible and and christianity out of the public square we've been kicked right. out of the public school and you see we've we've relinquished health care we've given up education all of these things were originally started by the church, and so now that they're coming into the church doors and they're telling you you cannot sing, you cannot worship. And what our uh, attorneys have found that the least places of spreading any of the COVID was actually in churches. There wasn't any cases that we've had that that went on for anyone to really get sick that I know of. There was no mass, you know, spreading or or, or anything like that. But and we did take precautions. And I've had people tell me, "Well, that was just the Lord protecting you." I said, "Well, okay, that's, great. that's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> that's fine. Not a problem." <laughs> You're listening
1: to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Pastor Mike McClure, my guest, and Ariel Deterco, uh, who is uh, at FRC and just uh, completed uh, this uh, research on "Free to Believe: The Intensifying Intolerance Toward Christians in the West." Ariel, you want to? Ask you. I know we've been talking about the COVID. Of course, that really brought all this to the surface. But there's something else underlying here. I mean, we can't think that oh, well, this pandemic's over, and so this is no longer going to be a problem. This is this just showed the acuteness of the risk.
9: You're absolutely right. Uh, COVID. Most of our incidences featured in the report were due to uh, overreaching COVID nineteen restrictions that. Uh, caused churches to be targeted wrongly and disproportionately, but also we had a lot of instances featured where um, there were free speech issues, where Christians said things that might have been perceived as unpopular given right. the Western dogma embraced by uh, the mainstream culture, and they were punished for that. And I think Paivi Rossman, the Finnish member of parliament you just had on, is a perfect example of that. All she did was tweet in 2019, directed at her own church denomination, and she's dragged through the courts for years.
1: So, Pastor Mike, do you, um, you anticipate that the church in America is going to see this again? There's going to be a sequel?
8: I, I think from just our case and just living in the Silicon Valley, that really what's behind all this is really a tech oligarch group. You know the Bill of and Melinda Gates Foundation. These people that have an incredible amount of money. Look at Big Pharma today, and of course they love the power. You know they don't want to give it up, and they have the power, and they think they're bigger. I mean they have said in our in our county that the the you know the Supreme Court the Constitution doesn't apply here. These these are elected officials saying this. So what I foresee is is persecutions coming, and I think it's began really uh, the first to shut down was Santa Clara County where we live. And it's it's not going to stop. And I had uh, a good friend who's an attorney call me early on and said, you know, the word on the street from his attorneys at all these tech companies said, hey, look, the word is they want to get rid of the church and the school you have, and they just want to take the property. They want you guys out of town. And I thought, who is it? He says, well, it's big tech. And I think we just, as a church, as, as Christians, you know, we're not, <laughs> the gates of hell are not going to prevail. Yeah. But I think it's nice to know what we're really up against and who needs to hear the gospel. And that's the joy that we have is that we, we know who wins and i think that though the persecution can come it's like the giants for joshua and caleb you know they're bread for us by eating the taking these giant you know problems on and really being salt and being light like christ tells us to do and and letting our good works be shown we're going to see people begin to glorify the lord and I, and i i i just foresee as well yeah more problems but i also foresee a revival coming.
1: More opportunities to share the gospel. I think what it is, is the church, for those who follow the scripture, Bible-believing Christians, these are non-negotiable issues. It's not like, it's not our opinion, so we can't change it. We're following the word of God. I think that's the problem for big tech. That's the problem for the left, is everything else has yielded to them. Everything else has gotten out of their way and yielded to this new ideology, but Bible-believing
8: Christians can't, because It's not ours to change. It's the word of God. Truth doesn't change. I mean, you look at trans um, uh, humanism, you know, or transgender or anything like that. It's not based upon any truth or reality. These are just ideas. It's like a religion that they've recently invented. It's like the new religion. But Christianity is going to withstand the test of time. It has. And I think today we have a great opportunity as salt, again, to, to be that preservative where we're, if we're not preserving and standing and letting our, our, you know, our, our message get out, then we're going to be seen as in we compromise We're going to be thrown out and trampled. Yeah. Uh, well, Pastor Mike, I want to thank you for
1: standing and being an example to other pastors. And I'm going to challenge our viewers and listeners to continue to pray for you. And we're believing for a very positive outcome there uh, and Calvary Chapel, San Jose.
8: Well, thank you. Thank you for what you do, Tony. And, and all at um, FRC, they're a blessing, and we need you guys more than ever. Well, thank you. Ariel, I want to
1: thank you for a job well done on this report, and I know there'll be a sequel as uh, we continue to track this growing intolerance toward Christianity uh, in the West. And folks, I want to thank you for joining us as well, and uh, again, I want to invite you to join us Sunday night for a special live stream event. That'll be hosted by Alliance Defending Freedom and the Family Research Council. Celebrating Dobbs, Celebrating Life. You can find out more about that. Go to TonyPerkins.com. And I do want to encourage you to uh, to pray for Christians, pastors, churches that increasingly are being attacked for standing for the truth. And in fact, we're getting to a point where if you are not being maligned, attacked, social media. If your church is, they're not coming after you, you got to ask, you know, what are we doing? All right. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand. By all means, keep standing.